0: To the worst bestsellers, where we read about Ernest Klein's favorite things, so you don't have to. I'm Kate, and I'm Renata. And for this episode, we read *Ready Player One* by Ernest Klein. Joining us to discuss this gatekeeping gamer glop is Becca's avatar, with beautiful red hair and starry violet eyes, and definitely not a three hundred pound man named Chuck. But if it was, that would still be okay. Hello. Hey, hello. Becca. Or hello.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Becca you sound so beautiful. Thank you. (laughs) Uh
0: so this is our hundredth episode which is weird but here we are. That's
1: that's such a stirring celebration. (laughs) We've hit a major milestone. That's weird.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's weird. We're celebrating it on a Monday night.
1: Minimal drinking. Uh celebrating it on Monday night with a shitty book, which is actually pretty on brand. I mean that's I yeah, mean that's RM. That is literally yeah. what you signed up for. <laughs> I don't
2: I don't know how to help you with that.
1: Uh, uh, this shitty book specifically was chosen by a poll from our listeners. So thank you. Or
2: Fuck you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean thank One you. One of for those listening. Two Thank things. you for not choosing of our poll options, um, he's just not that into you. Was the one I least wanted to read, and it got the it got the lowest number of votes. So you guys crushed it on that front. Thank you.
2: I, I don't know what daddy's about, but also just seeing that, I was like, oh, no.
1: And then A Divergent was a really close Divergent was a really close runner up. I would also be ha- I have already read the full Divergent trilogy. I'm happy to talk about it at the drop of a hat because that trilogy is weird. So we'll probably be back on that eventually. But for now, it's episode 100. It's Ready Player One. Oh, boy.
0: Yeah. So everyone has been asking us to do this book for a while. It was actually, like, one of the earliest requests I remember getting. And at the time, I had heard, like, mixed things about it. And I know, Renata, you had heard good things about it. So we were kind of like, oh, well, we'll put a, a pin in this and come back to it. Yeah, and this was years ago, and I think the book was
1: fairly new, and like well before the movie, and and then when I think the movie really cast this further into the spotlight, and then it it spawned a bunch of memes that I enjoyed very much. Where and also at first I didn't understand that what people were tweeting and tumbling were like literally quotes from literally the book where it's just a list of like and i studied every movie from the 80s i said the holy trilogy of indiana jones and i studied the star wars and i played every video game here's an alphabetical list of every video game i played i thought that was an exaggeration it's literally in the book
0: yeah i mean because like when 50 shades was that when hating Fifty Shades was at the height of popularity, all of these fake quotes from it would circulate on the internet, and people would get all head up about it, and then it was like, no, those are fake, that's not really what the book is. So I I had kind of, but I had kind of prepared myself before the movie came out, because uh, a friend of the show, Holly, actually, had recommended it to us by uh, saying that, uh, I believe her stepdaughter or her daughter threw the book across the room when she was like 10 pages into it. That just moves you to the top of the world. That's all it's shortlist. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> when she said that, I was like, huh. And I looked it up and, um, yeah, it just, once the movie came out and everyone started knowing how bad it was, it was inevitable that we were going to cover this.
1: I also because oh, sorry, because of what this book is and like it made me feel so defensive while reading it that I do kind of just like want to start off with just like our my own geek credentials like it's not that I didn't like this book because I'm not a nerd it's because I am a nerd and you're being a nerd wrong you're being a nerd in the least joyful way possible Ernest Klein and I hate you. Like, I'm literally, as I'm recording, as I'm wearing Captain America socks right now. And he's not even my favorite Avenger, and I have his socks. So (laughs) we're we're coming from a place of, like, you know, I could probably solve some of these dumb puzzles, like, based on my nerd... And also another quibble... Everyone talks about like oh and yes it's all these puzzles and it's a fun like mystery and puzzles and games. They're not puzzles. Like the problems in this book are solved by just knowing facts and saying facts.
0: (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Um, I think you really hit it with the word joyless because this is this book is a celebration of gatekeeping is what it is. Um, It's not about loving something and having enthusiasm and passion for something but it's about literally memorizing every fact about every movie and tv show and game and band in order to prove that you know the most with the fantasy that one day someone will will ask you this question and you will impress them by knowing it and everyone will cheer for you because you know like the name of the third single from a really popular band in 19. Eighty-seven, Like, it is about, like, working to memorize things, not because you love them, but to prove that you're the best. And that's not what being a nerd and fandom are to me and to the people that I know. It is what being a, a nerd and fandom are to cishet white men who need to prove that they're better than all of the women and people of color who they are, quote-unquote, invading their spaces.
2: I will counter your statement that you're doing it wrong, because that's exactly the kind of attitude this book has, is that you're doing it wrong if you don't have everything memorized. Your Your fun is wrong. If memorizing facts is exciting to you, like... Fucking go to town. Know all you need to know. <laughs> like, I got... When I started getting into d d like, that's what I did. I just fucking read the player's handbook because, like, I don't have anyone to share this with right now because nobody else cares, and that's fine. I'm not going to inflict it on other people, and I'm not going to recite these facts at people who don't care, but... It is joyless in a way, unless it's that's how you find your joy with things, then I think more power to you, but you can't turn to other people and say, no, you who are experiencing this and engaging with it in a different way are wrong.
0: Yeah, because I think it's not, I mean, if if you're into like just memorizing shit, because God knows I've memorized all sorts of shit just because exactly. we were at Becca's... Uh, cousin's graduation party and her dad oh was like my
2: dad started talking about murderers and Kate's like oh this murderer from from this year who did this and I think my dad got a little concerned um, but also they might start a podcast together so it's fine <laughs> excellent
0: um you know so if if you're doing it because you love it and you want to know these things and you're driven to know it it's one thing but in the book it's not portrayed like that it's portrayed as like hard work that they do solely to prove that they've done it sure
2: which right. i mean that's what i mean like that's what's happening in the book i think like but there's so many layers to it of like ernest klein wrote this book who was like i'm going to recite all these facts of things i know <laughs> and it's like sure but also don't expect other people to care about it that way or don't expect other people to engage with it that way and that is i think the bigger problem of like yeah you can do whatever you want but so can everyone else yeah yeah And everyone's fun is
0: fine as long as they're not hurting people. And if you don't want to memorize every single fact about a thing and you're happy just knowing what you know and engaging with what you engage in, you know, that is also fine. Like, no one should make fun of you because you don't know the name of the Star Trek episode where that random line of dialogue is from. Right.
2: And also I think no one should make fun of you because you do.
1: Yeah, I I guess what I mean by doing it wrong is this portrays, like, a whole world where this seems like it's, like, what everyone does for fun, all the, and, or for, what, and, okay, I guess we should get into, it's set in, like, the 2040? Yeah, somewhere somewhere around there. Somewhere in there. Where the 80s were about 60 years ago. Our main character is a teenage boy who was not alive in the 80s, and his, also his name is Wade. Sorry, not
2: to just immediately derail it, but can you imagine? Like we were teenagers in like the two thousands. Can you imagine people just got super head up about the forties and was like we have to know everything <laughs> It would be amazing.
1: I'm, tr- I'm tr- continue. Well, I was just trying to look up what his actual name is, because it's, his, oh, it's Wade Watts, and he mentions multiple times that, like, his dad was a nerd, and his dad gave him this alliterative name because he thought it was, like, a superhero, like Peter Parker, or, like, whatever, but he never says, like, Wade Wilson, which is a pretty well-known superhero that is very similar to the name Wade Watts, and so that bothered me. But it's me not right who
2: Ernest Klein cares about, so he's not included.
1: Yes, clearly. But also, I mean, that's the only other person I can think of named Wade, and it's really weird. Anyway.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so they live in this this kind of on the verge of apocalyptic future where uh, the world, all the nations of the world have run like natural resources and everything into the ground. Everyone lives... Uh, all the, the poor people, and that, by poor people they I mean basically everyone, live in these like stacked trailer parks where it's just trailers literally stacked on top of each other, like 20 high. But everyone finds their escape in going into Oasis, which is this. It's basically massive... Second Life. If you're it's familiar second with life, Second okay. Life, it's Second Life. Yes. It's It is a massive life. online. It's Second environment. Life, and
2: Second Life became what people who made Second Life thought it was going to be, yes, instead of the joke that it became.
0: If you're unfamiliar with Second Life... <laughs> no, everyone should know. <laughs>
1: it, it's like a, it's a massive... the Wikipedia article about Second Life, then come back. So good.
0: Um, it's a massive, like, online world where you can basically do anything. You can create anything. You can... You know, talk to other people. It's like th- if the internet were a thing that you could walk around on. Yeah,
2: it's like it's like a, ch- a chat room, but th- you are a person who physically moves in this chat room and can engage with objects
0: and can build things and go to different planets yeah. and meet different people. And just like online today, you can make your avatar look like whatever you want, like a sexy alligator dancing <laughs> underwater. <laughs> but, but, uh. Um, while it's free to log on to Oasis for anyone, doing stuff once you're online costs in world currency. So like Just you, like Second Life. Yes. It's so like a Lindens. You can't um, you know, teleport to another planet unless you have X amount of the Oasis currency to buy a teleportation token. And that's kind of how they make their money off of it is you can get in and you can go to all of these places and do all of this stuff, uh, but you need to pay to do it once you're in. So basically everyone in this world, because the world is so terrible, spends all their time in here. And the man who created uh, Oasis was a man named uh, James Halliday. And he died when Wade was like 15 and he was a bajillionaire and left his money to the person who, and all of his shares of the company that created Oasis to a person who could solve a massive, intricate puzzle and find, like, a golden Easter egg that literally, would grant them. Literally
2: an- which is literally an egg, literally yeah. Literally an egg, yes. Come on.
0: <laughs> um, so everyone immediately, like, people made this their full-time job. Egg hunters or... I hate it,
1: by the way. I do hate it as well.
0: (laughs) Started springing up. And the way to solve this puzzle is to immerse yourself in everything that James Halliday loved. And he was a teenager in the 80s and a massive geek. So people's job now, if they want to try and break this riddle and find where this Easter egg is, is to know everything about every 80s movie, TV show, song, cartoon, video game, like, all 80s pop culture. And because of this, like, 80s pop culture has had, like, a huge comeback.
1: And, like, and like the Oasis is full of these planets and these zones that are just recreations of things from 80s movies. Like, there's a Goonies planet that's just, like, the movie The Goonies, but if it were a planet, I guess and just all kinds of that things
0: and it's it's a weird thing too because it's like it, it's like a, a big chat room but there's also like a video game aspect to it where you can level your avatar up and like go on quests where you fight things to win money you get experience you get items that you can equip just like you were playing a video game yes so it's kind of like if you were trying to have a conversation in a cafe, but larpers kept running in and out <laughs> while you were trying to do things all the time.
1: I mean, there there are some zones, I guess, that are designated not for that. So I guess if you didn't want that, you could just hang out those places. But fucking, so it's a lot. Yeah.
0: Um. So the other the other main player is the corporation IOI. I already forget what it stands for. They are a big telecom corporation that's interested in getting controlling shares of GSS, which is the company that made Oasis. So they literally employ people whose job it is to try and find the egg. And they're like mocked by hardcore gunters and nerds because, like, they don't really know anything and they're not really good at hunting for the egg. And it's, you know, they are just part of a corporation and they don't really care about it. So th- that's kind of like the players that we've got. We've got Wade and the other gunters. We've got IOI and their Sixers because all of their avatar names are their employee numbers and they start with Six. Um, so they... They're all trying to find this egg, and one day, while Wade is in his Oasis high school that he goes to instead of a real high school, uh, he's zoning out, and he hears something that jiggles something loose in his brain and makes him- ha- allows him to solve this riddle. The first riddle to get the first of three keys that you have to get Which, to. which Halliday
2: dispersed a video to everyone in Oasis that was like, as described as more, that has been analyzed more than the Zapruder film. Which I'm like, first of all, no. <laughs> and it's full of like him within scenes of popular 80s movies. Like He's at his own funeral, but it's the funeral from Heathers. And it's full of all these references, because of course it is. And he's like, in this video, tells everyone, you're on a mad dash now to get this. And puts the first riddle in. Yeah. But that video is ridiculous.
0: Uh, so Wade solves it. And he discovers that he's very poor, so he can't really travel within Oasis. But he realizes that it's on his school planet that Which he is does the have only planet to. he
2: can get to, basically. Yes.
0: Uh, so he goes there, and he finds it, and he solves the riddle, and beats the the quest, beats the the lich that uh, is protecting the key on his first try. And as he's leaving... Uh, like,
2: let's, uh, can we, let's just... Uh, yeah, describe, let's unpack. Like, for,
0: let's describe right. the actual, like, what...
2: Hey, the Copper Key awaits explorers in a tomb filled with horrors, but you have much to learn if you hope to earn a place among the high scorers. Because as soon as this video got launched, this dude's website changed to just a high score list that is empty right now. And so Wade figures out that Tomb of Horrors is a D&D module. That's literally called Tomb of Horrors. So I, a person who has been playing D&D for only two years, who only plays 5th edition, who is not that deep in D&D, immediately recognized Tomb of Horrors because it's like the most famous D&D module. And I can only imagine that, never mind people who immerse themselves so deeply in all of Halliday's shit to try to win this any fucking dude who liked D&D would have known Tomb of Horrors I'm sorry to say so the fact that it took like five years for anyone to solve this and it was Wade I have a problem with guess.
1: I know even I've heard of it and I See? just
2: <laughs> you, be- you play Beyonce in D&D you're not I- that deep in <laughs> you're amazing I love how you play D&D <laughs>
1: oh, thank you thank you so much end of podcast um <laughs> <laughs> No, because because of Adventure Zone, I've heard of it because of that. And... I don't even
2: remember that it's been mentioned, but yeah, like it's 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 so common in D and D. So fine. So D- he realizes, oh, in tomb, of, it must be Tomb of Horrors. Tomb of Horrors has the. Main The the actual tomb is located in a place that looks like a skull. So he's like, let me start looking for a skull place. And he's like, oh wait, but you have much to learn. That probably means he wanted somebody who's in school to find it. It's probably on the planet that's filled with all the schools. The planet I'm on right now. Again, sure. But also, we're in this world where there's all this technology. You're telling me that someone couldn't come up with a tomb of horrors and then set fucking their computer scanning every planet there is to find the skull, I find it hard to believe no one no one beat this fucking first riddle for five years. The other ones, sure, fine. This one's ridiculous. Yes.
1: Well, and then, because also, then you get there and then the tomb is just a recreation of it from the book. So, like, you don't... Yeah, it's
2: from the actual d d module. It's the exact same thing, so he knows where all the traps are, because he just pulls up, you know, the DM guide for it. And he can avoid everything. He gets to the end where there's this lich... And he has to play a video game against the Lich. And it is sure. Joust. And it is Joust.
0: Yes. Uh, so after he, <laughs> he and his uh, BFFH, uh, spelt A-E-C-H, have always have played all like all the old 80s video games together. And Joust in particular, they used to play all the time. So he's super good at it. So he beats the Lich. Like, in, on his first try, and on his way out, he bumps into a, a lady gamer named Artemis, who he has a huge crush on because he follows her blog, and, you know, he thinks that she's, like, super cute and super funny, and, like, an actual hardcore gunter, unlike many ladies. Like, mm-hmm. she's serious about it. And so at first he tries to play it off, like, oh, like, I didn't get the key, I didn't win the joust. But she quickly figures it out, and, um... Because his name goes
1: f- up on the scoreboard.
0: Yes. yes. And everyone
2: gets automatic updates in their little, you know, vid screens. Um, and we also learned, like, she found the team, what, four months ago? Uh, a month First she says two weeks, and then it's like, what, a month or something? Yeah, like five weeks or something like that. Yeah. And has not been able to beat the Lich at Joust yet,
0: so she just comes every night and tries to beat him. But she does, he gives her a tip. Um, And it helps her win the match against the Lich. And so then she also gets the key. And then his best friend H, who knows that he can't travel anywhere but their school planet, puts that together and figures out that the two must be somewhere on their school planet. And then he also finds it. And also... Doesn't he give H
1: a hint? He tells him to brush up on Joust, I think. Yes. Yes. There we go.
0: Yeah. I knew there was something.
1: Because he and H have a thing where, like, they don't want to help each other because it's, yeah. like, noble
2: to go alone. Because there are a them... bunch of groups of Gunters that work together. Because obviously if you pool yeah. your resources, like, that's better. But also it's kind of seen, like, that's what the Sixers do because the Sixers can all pool their knowledge they can all just jump from one avatar to another so if like this avatar finds this and he's really good at D, so he figured this bit out but he's not good at joust so someone else just jumps into the same one and they are able to progress by working as a team but it's not
0: noble exactly as you yeah. say and the the clans are looked at as more noble because it is at least it's not a corporation yes and it's mm-hmm. more of a like we're doing it for the because we believe in the whatever um <laughs> in the whatever yes, yes. So he, he takes the key, he goes to the next, because you have to get a key, and then you have to use the key to get through a gate. So when he gets the key, he gets another riddle. And he solves the riddle and figures out what to do. And the solution to this riddle is that he's put into the movie War Games and has to walk through the movie as the Matthew Broderick character and act out the entire movie from memory. You say all including. the lines
2: and do all the actions. You get bonus points if you like
0: remember to grab your school book after you forgot it. Yeah, it's ridiculous, Uh, but he aces it immediately because it's like his favorite movie and he's memorized it and goes up on the scoreboard and gets all of these like credits and his avatar gets all this XP and all of these companies are offering him endorsement deals and because he's like super poor, he takes a whole bunch of endorsement deals and the corporation IOI sends him all these emails and asks to speak with him, like one a minute, yes, or something absurd like, like thousands that. of emails. Yeah, he's like, yeah. yeah, So he figures he he knows that he's not going to accept their offer, but he's very curious as to what they're going to say. So he goes with them
1: digitally to like their fancy chat room,
2: yeah, digital chat room that looks looks just like their real headquarters in like Ohio or whatever. <laughs>
0: And they offer him money to join their team. And then they offer him money to not join. He doesn't have to join the team. But like if he'll just give them a hint or tell them where the first key is. Yeah. When he turns all of those down, they say, okay, well, you have to do it or we'll kill well, you. Well, what
2: he finally know. He says, I will do it. And it's uh, this, the main sixer that we deal with is Sorrento. And he says, I will do it if I can have your job. And you get fired. And, like, Sorrento's got, like, an earpiece, like, that's, like, connecting him to the higher-ups. And he's, like, smiling tightly, like, okay, they have agreed to that. And he's like, fuck you, I don't want
1: that yeah. <laughs> Which was, honestly, one of the times I liked Wade the most. I
2: was yeah. like, that was a good move, I'll yeah. allow it. <laughs>
0: He figures that they're bluffing and they're not really going to kill his family. Uh, Because the other thing is that he lives in one of those trailers we described at the beginning, but he actually has a secret hideout a little ways away in the back of an old van where he keeps all of his tech gear uh, because his parents are dead and he's been raised by his aunt who's very greedy and doesn't actually care about him and only uses him to get, like, money from the government... She and, also she and her,
1: he, her partner are both, like, addicts, and whenever he, like, fixes a computer, like, scrounges some sort of, like, MacGyver tech, they, like, pawn it and use it for drug money. Yes.
0: So, he's not actually there, and suddenly the whole trailer column explodes. And he realizes that they did know all about him, because when he signed up for school... Uh, when you're online, who your actual information is supposed to be like super private? Nobody but the gss corporation has access to it. So everyone only knows him by his avatar name, but at which school, is Percival Percival yes <laughs> um, but spelled with a z spelled you know a very special spelling, yes. But when he signed up for school, he stupidly used his real name and the IOI people were able to bribe his principal to get his real name and figure out like where he was. So And the the Sixers
2: have like cameras, like they show him footage of uh, like live footage of the stacks, the the trailer stacks that he's supposed to be in. But the reason they think he's there and he actually isn't is because he climbs out the window and leaves the stacks a weird way and it's not a place that the cameras can see so that's how they don't know he's actually not still in the stacks.
0: And his aunt the smartest. rents out the other rooms in the trailer to all these people so there's really like 14 people living in it so when they scan for thermal Yeah, they do like
2: a thermal scan and they just see a bunch of people like fucking logged into Oasis and they're like, he's one of them.
0: Yeah, Which, they're not too yes. far off. So he goes on the run. Um, he comes up with, he's able to use some of his winnings to get codes to hack into the government to give himself a new identity. And then he, like, buys an apartment or rents an apartment in Columbus, which is the new, like, tech mecca of the world because that's where the GSS headquarters are and the Oasis headquarters. So the top five scoreboard ends up being him. Artemis, H, and then these two Japanese stereotype brothers, whose names I already... Daito and Shoto. Daito and Shoto. I don't know what Daito might be. Don't know enough about Japanese, that's my mistake.
1: Which are which are the names of ty- types of samurai swords.
0: Yes. Yes. So they like have like a meeting of the top five, the high five, um, and they all decide they don't want to work together. Like, they don't want to work together like a clan,
1: but they all want to oppose the Sixers. Yes.
0: And Artemis tells him that they shouldn't talk and that he shouldn't contact her because they are on opposing sides. But, of course, he emails at her and chats at her until she responds. And then, like, awkwardly flirts with her and, like, bullies her into talking to him more and then she says, don't email me, but he emails her, and he keeps emailing her until she starts actually giving him, like, lengthier responses, and they start a correspondence. Just like a normal, healthy... I to say,
2: guys, if there's any guys listening to this right now, anyone, anyone at all listening to this right now, guys or girls who are like, that sounds fine, let me tell you, it's not. Just, just FYI, it's not. It's absolutely says, not. I don't wanna to talk to you, you just go, okay.
1: Yes. <laughs> He's being a real Edward Culleny about the whole situation. <laughs>
0: yes. Yes. If she tells you not that she doesn't want to talk to you, if you send her messages and she doesn't respond, take it take the hint that if she really cared she would have responded. Like, don't you're not special. You're not. That is that is what all of the cishet white men really need to learn is that you're not special, even though your teacher told you in kindergarten, like you have the same rules as everyone else. But he does not. Wade never learned this rule, probably because he went to a shitty post-apocalyptic public school. So he keeps uh, emailing Artemis until she responds to him. And they start up, like, a talk, and they start spending all this time together and, like, going on quests together so he can level up his, like, shitty level 10 avatar. What is it they call, like, the climb to 99? And I'm like, wouldn't it be the grind to
2: 99? Doesn't that make more sense? Whatever. It's called grinding. (laughs) Oh, fine. (laughs) Ernest... Your name is Ernest, first of all.
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) Let's have a conversation. (laughs) I mean, I think that conversation should be with his parents, but...
1: You know Um, what? You can can change it before you publish your book.
2: Exactly. (laughs) Just like that, yeah. So they... they And they start ignoring... They're not really working on the Jade Key. Yes. Either of them. They're sort of ignoring the next riddle
0: in favor of just, like, hanging out. Yeah. And they get invited to... Ogden Morrow's birthday party inside the Oasis, which is a big deal. Uh, Ogden Morrow or Og was James Halliday's business partner and he ran the game company with him they were high school friends they like played DD together they like coded their first video games together they launched their company together and they had a falling out several years before halliday died
1: it's it's described like they had kind of like a steve jobs and steve wozniak vibe where halliday was like the he was like the more genius visionary but he was an asshole and they keep saying that If people didn't get his 80s references or, like, didn't laugh at his movie quote, he would just immediately fire them, and then Og would secretly rehire them. It's like, maybe that's not a good model for
0: your business. (laughs) Yeah. So they're invited to his party. All the high five are, but they're the only two who decide to go, and it's, like, kind of like a date, and they dance together, and then while they're dancing, he tells her that he's in love with her, and she freaks out and is like, you don't even know me. Like, I'm... One of their, their cute couple things that they do is when they argue that, you know, you don't really know me because I'm just a computer. I could be fat or ugly. Ha 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 ha. What a hilarious joke that you could be fat or ugly or disabled. That's another one they like to throw mm-hmm. out. So funny. Yes. <laughs> so she freaks out and leaves and he like spirals into a depression. Well,
2: while they're happening, they get attacked by the Sixers at the party. Yes, yes.
0: And we find out that um, Og has like god powers. Yeah, <laughs> omnipotent powers inside the Oasis that only two avatars were programmed with these powers, where they could do or, or say anything and make anything happen. And it was Og and Halliday's avatar. It's got fucking cheat modes on. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yes. mm-hmm. So. He's like super depressed and uses his depression to launch into trying to solve the riddle for the next key, the Jade key, and is even more inspired to do so after he sees that Artemis has figured it out. Yes. Mm -hmm. And not long after Artemis figures it out, H figures it out. Maybe. Yeah, H
1: figures out, and H gives him a small clue to kind of, right. like, reciprocate for the small clue from before.
0: Yeah, um, because he and H haven't been talking either because he was spending all of his time with Artemis and kind of ignoring H. And the Jade Key. Which and the is, Jade like, Key, yes. is, what they care about the most. So he finds the Jade Key, and in the process of looking for it, he finds, like, a hidden Pac-Man console game, and... Because the Jade Key, the Jade Key Riddle is so convoluted
2: in a way that I feel the first one is not. Yeah. Because it's something about, like, the Captain blows the whistles, but after you get the trophies, after all the trophies are collected and it's like, he figures out that the captain is this hacker who, or a phone freaker, who was able to figure out that if you blew this whistle from Captain Crunchbox, you could use it to, you know, hack the phones, and then the trophies are the trophies that are in the text adventure Zork, and he has to go into Zork and do that first, and then finds, and it's like, it's just, it's a weird collection of things as opposed to find the tomb of horrors yes which is why i'm like i'll allow that that's a hard one to solve it's nonsense and you have to know a lot of disparate things
1: although i will say i again well i guess that one hadn't been out long enough for people to solve because i do feel like zork like i've heard of zork zork is very
2: common yes but i feel like the reference to the guy the trophies who uh, or the trophies well even if you knew zork because I think that's a part of Zork. Yeah, yeah, that's part of Zork. So if you had played it, you would understand that if you got oh, and a dwelling long forgotten, and it's like yes. the was ho- a description the description of Zork. Back of yeah, Zork,
1: yeah. So it's mostly like if you'd ever played Zork. Which side note here's another issue I have with this whole thing yes. is like in the world of this uh, book, you know, it's been like sixty years since the eighties. There's still people alive who are alive in the eighties. It's not like this is totally ancient times. So it's sort of. I don't know, dumb, that the only people who are cracking all this shit are, like, teenagers who study the 80s. Like, there should be some old nerds hanging around that are like, oh, yeah, I played Zork all the time in the 80s when I was alive. But none of those people come out to play at all, apparently.
2: The guy who wrote Zork is like, fuck you.
1: Yeah. And, like, we know that there are people still alive in the 80s because, uh, Wade was friends with this old lady because she was so cool and would tell him about being alive in the 80s. But she died in the explosion.
0: Also because Will Wheaton is president of Oasis. Oh yes, Will Wheaton is president of Oasis. And Cory Doctorow. Doctorow.
1: Um, Why hasn't Will Wheaton solved this?
0: (laughs) Uh, So he figures out where the jade key is thanks to this hint. And so the scoreboard switches around a little bit. But the biggest switch is that the top three are Artemis, Wade, and H. And then... Um, one of the Sixers, Sorrento, and then one of the Japanese kids, and the other Japanese kid is gone. He's not on the board at all, and they eventually figure out that he was murdered by the IOI in real life. Like, not just his avatar, but they went to his uh, apartment and and threw threw him him off the the balcony. Yeah.
2: Like, normal people. Yeah and that's when shoto who is the younger one like he's supposed to be like 15 and i think deto is like 18 or 20 or yeah. something in real life and shoto shows up and he he's like contacts wade and wants to know if they can meet and they get together and talk in in a chat room still but he explains that like you know we weren't actually brothers we just found each other and so they just met each other and became very good friends and decided that they were brothers
1: yeah, I mean, it's kind of like what Wade and H have, except Wade and H don't call each other brothers.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah.
1: Oh, the other thing was, in the middle of this book, there was a semi-pointless thing where Wade contacted uh, Daito and Shaito and asked them to help him with this one specific side quest because it required Japanese language. Right. And they got this, the prize was this, like, Ultraman suit. The Ultraman capsule. Or a capsule that turned into a suit. Uh, you turned it to the, Ultraman for three minutes. Yes. And so, Wade let the brothers have it, and he just wanted, like, the experience of it or whatever. And so that was sort of off the table for a while, but now it's back in play. The capsule.
2: And also, can we just talk, like, Ultraman is so not imposing. Like, if you actually look at Ultraman, like, it's silly. It is. Indeed silly. (laughs) And it's built up in this to be the most badass, powerful thing you could possibly be. And Ultraman is just silly. I'm sorry. <laughs> it looks like a dude in a spandex metallic suit.
0: <laughs> um, so they're all like working to try and now find out where the last, the crystal key is, the last one. Um, oh, and but uh, like I said, he found this this random Pac Man machine. What was
2: the second gate?
0: I think he had to do a different movie.
1: He had to do another one of those movie challenges. It's
2: hard to remember my friends because this book is just an entire list of everything from the '80s yes. and also some things from the '90s, even though they're just like it's from the '80s, but it's not like yeah. The Matrix or Kevin Smith.
0: Yes, Kevin yes. Smith. But um, so <laughs> yes. he talk about this. <laughs> we keep He been Played this video. This he found this Pac-Man machine, and he got a score higher than. He got the perfect the score. The perfect score on Pac-Man. And he was rewarded with this quarter that had been sitting on top of the the video the, game machine. The way that, like, you used to... The cabinet. To, the cabinet. The way that you used to reserve the next game. And it, he put it in his inventory, but he didn't have any information about it. So he put it in and forgot it.
1: Because he thought maybe that would be, like, actually how to solve the puzzle. But it turned out it was just
0: this dumb quarter. So he... Alright, I'm pausing now because I don't remember what the other gate is.
2: Oh, it's Black Tiger. The, the, so he has to run through this very specific video game as as the person. So it's not like, oh, you're just playing the video game. He had to be it. So he ha- Which is slightly more complicated, I will give them. Of, like, I have to fight it myself with my avatar. As opposed to cr- controlling a little sprite. So that... Oh, and it's the guitar... Right. All the Rush stuff.
1: <laughs> here's Here's a side... I want to spend approximately 30 seconds with this complaint, which is he <laughs> talks a lot about how he loves the music of the 80s, and the music of the 80s is so important. The music that he names is only ever by white men. Mostly Rush. But he's talking about, like, the the pop music of the 80s. He never mentions Madonna. He never mentions Prince. He never mentions Paula Abdul. He never mentions Janet Jackson. Any Jackson. Never mentioned, like... It's only this very small specific, like, R.E.M., U2, yes, yes, but none, uh, I looked it up, by the way, the number one most-selling single of the 1980s was Physical by Olivia Newton-John. Yes! Yes. Not mention this book, because fuck that part of the 80s, I guess. (laughs) That's all. For now. (laughs) (laughs) So I forget, I forget how it's set up, I just remember that there's like a
2: cave
0: or something that he has to go in, and he pulls the guitar
2: out. King Arthur style.
0: Yeah, there's a... There's... He needs the lyrics from the this Rush song, and when he follows them, there's this whole thing about, like, the first time I ever played a guitar, so he goes out into a cave, and there's a guitar there, and when he pulls it out, he wants to play, like, the famous Rush riff, and when he does it, still in that cave a message appears on the wall that says, like, you can't do it alone, kid. I mean, I'm just paraphrasing. That's not actually what it says. (laughs) But it implies that he can't solve the last puzzle without other people. And he's like, the Sixers would never have thought to play the guitar here, but they don't know this clue. Mm -hmm. So by this point, like, he's basically alienated all of his friends. And And the Sixers
1: have put up, like, a bubble around the... At this point, yeah,
2: because Sorrento already has the key at this point, and they have moved on to
0: Castle Anorak. Yeah. Which is the, like, the stronghold that Halliday had within Oasis. So basically, like, no new people
1: can get these keys, because
0: it's, like, blocked off. So, he's- they're trying to figure out how to get through, and he- he's not been talking to anyone at this point. Like, he- Artemis won't talk to him, H won't talk to him, Um, So he comes up with a plan and gets arrested by the IOI debt foreclosure department and made an indentured servant where he will work tech support for them until he pays off a fake credit card debt that he went hacked in and made for himself. And of course, this system is set up so that you can't ever pay off your debt. Yes. Yes.
1: Which, by the way, this is like a fucked up hellscape that's only briefly mentioned here at the very end of the book.
0: It's so, like, this is a whole other book is this. Yeah, everything (laughs) that happens in the real world, like, all of these things that they describe are horrible and insane and terrifying, but they're like a distant backdrop to what's going on inside... Oasis. Inside the Oasis. Yeah, but so he, he makes up a debt for himself so that he's arrested. And once he's inside, he sneakily uses these codes that he has to hack the intranet.
2: And this is my favorite fucking part of this book, is that the place where you can get all your black market shit is from the Leet Haxors Wares House. They were the most trusted people to get passwords and shit. <laughs> and it's Leet, like, L33T, Haxors, H-A-X-0-R-Z... Ware's House W A R E Z H A U S and I can think of no group I trust less than a group that calls itself Lee Haxer's Ware's House. And once I got to that, I was like, When was this book written? Because that makes sense in like
0: 1996, maybe. So he he um. He uses these codes to hack the intranet and, uh, hacks into all the files on the egg department and discovers that they have cameras placed outside Artemis and...
2: All the high five. Artemis, H...
0: No. Not no, H's. not H's. H's. They H's don't that's right. So they don't know where
2: H is. You're right. Because yes. H is mobile.
0: And that they are planning to kill them.
1: Well, no. No. To kidnap, to kidnap them and make them do it. Make them get the key for them. Because yes. they can't figure it out. Or the gate. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So they, he gets himself out of the, the IOI building. He contacts, he downloads all of the information, including a video of. Uh, the video of them throwing Deto over the. Off balcony. the balcony. And also a video of him being interviewed by Sorrento that first time that he right. went into a chat with them where Sorrento says. We're going to blow you up. Yeah. We're, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll kill you if you don't help us. And he emails it all to his friends, the High Five, and contacts them all and tells them like you're in danger. You need to leave your houses right now. And then, like Ogden Morrow well, they appears. They make plans. They
2: make plans to meet because they start talking. Yeah, in a chat
0: or yeah, in a chat room. Is it
2: actually? I think it's probably is it the still H's chat room. Yeah, well, H has a chat room which is just a basement full of old eighties shit. Um, and they start talking. And, you know, Artemis is like, well, I'm in an airport right now and Parzival is in um, like an internet cafe, as is Shoto. And while they're talking, Ogden Morrow just fucking appears. And this is foreshadowed because in the very first time they're in the chat room, a a pile of books gets knocked over and no one's there. And they're like, is someone in here? And H is like, no, this is fucking unhackable. No one could get in here unless they I have given them permission. But Ogden Morrow is fucking internet god. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Zaya's ex Ogden shows up yes. and is like, I will bring you to my house. I have sent you all private limos except very specifically <laughs> Wade, and <laughs> H. Wade and H because you need to meet in real life and this is the only way the book can figure out how to do
0: this. Yes. <laughs> uh- And he, like, he says that, um, Halliday had asked him to, like, before, even though everyone thought they hadn't spoken in years when Halliday died, Halliday actually contacted him and said, like, I'm really sick and I'm dying, and instead of a will, this is what I'm doing, and I need you to keep an eye on... Every. Just to intervene and make sure everything gets played out fairly. Yes. And what the Sixers
2: are doing are obviously not fair. Yeah. but he legal, hasn't done or... shit
1: about it until now.
2: So. No. Yeah. Well, he was just hanging out in the fucking basement. It's so cool there.
1: <laughs> Which, by the way, I thought a twist was going to be that Ogden was, like, sinister and maybe was going to do something to take over the company for himself. No, he's just not, a, his ex-op. Ex, he's just op- like a chill op- bra. You just make sure
2: yep. they have a safe place to connect to the internet with all the finest rigs. Yes.
0: <laughs> so uh, H is in a mobile home and is supposed to pick up Wade and warns Wade like, oh, you're, I'm not going to be what you expect. Like, I don't look like what you think I look like. I don't look like my avatar. I'm not who
2: you think I am. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Really. And Wade's like, no one looks like their avatar. And H is like, no, like, just prepare yourself. So uh H shows up and H is a uh fat black lesbian and Wade is thrown for a second but then because he's so cool he's just like oh no like this is great we're still best friends And luckily, you're queer, so you won't get in the way of my romance with Artemis.
2: Because there was definitely a moment, too, where Artemis, in the first meeting with the High Five, where Artemis and H were talking, and Wade is immediately like, I hate that they're getting along. I should never have introduced them. And I was like, fucking shut up, dude.
1: I also was afraid that H was going to be like, and I've been in love with you, Wade. So I do really want to give props for that not being the case. I mean, I
2: do... But also like I was thinking of all the ways like this book could have been like interesting while still being what it is. And like A, like if you just fucking told it from H's perspective, like, yes, oh, yeah, that would yeah. be amazing. Like I would care so much more about a protagonist. Because like for three pages, it's like he understands kind of the world. Where H is like, I made a white male avatar because that's how you can fucking walk through the door of places, not as a queer black woman no one looks at you if you're a white man. You can do whatever the hell you want. I was like, oh, it's almost like you understand privilege. But also you took all your minorities and threw them into one character and put them behind a white male character for the entire book. And then even after he knows that she is Helen, not H, he's like, I still call call Helen he in game because his avatar is male.
0: And also, like, I I mean, I want to be the person who's like, yeah, like, queer rep. And I am. Like, don't get me wrong, like, I'm super excited. There's at least one queer character in this book instead of just, like, queer yeah. slurs. Um, Which there is. <laughs> also, yes. But it also, like, definitely felt to me like they specifically made her, he specifically yeah. made her a lesbian so that she would not get in the way of the love triangle. Yeah. And that yes. was the other, oh, that's what I was trying to get to,
2: too, Or like, the other thing that I was like, it would be interesting if actually, like, if H wasn't a lesbian that if it was suddenly like you have to reconcile the fact that like actually you super care about H and your friends and maybe if you are suddenly like oh wait maybe we could be more than friends because this is the gender I'm attracted to and uh, like you'd still have to reconcile that like oh I knew this person as a man all this time and now it's changed but actually it hasn't changed because that doesn't matter what matters how I feel about a person like, like something a, like that like a that. Mulan situation yeah, exactly, yes. <laughs> exactly. Hell yeah, but we don't um, need to do it again. Mulan already did it perfectly. <laughs> it did. Um, um, but so they all...
1: the other, sorry, the other thing that is annoying is that I I get so tired of these kind of dystopias where, you know, this is twenty forty whatever, and it's still exactly the same. Of like, oh, you can't yes. be a queer black woman on the internet; people will be shitty. You got to be a, a straight white man. Right. Like we haven't. Really... We've made no progress. I mean, on one hand, like, maybe that's realistic, but also it sucks. Why are you putting this in your, like, wish-fulfillment
0: fantasy shit? <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Um, so they, they reconcile that, and they head off to Oregon to Og's special, like, hidden away mansion that looks like Rivendell from Lord of the Rings. Yep. Um, because Og was married to his high school sweetheart, Kira, who was also, like, the only woman that Halliday has ever interacted with essentially DD yep. together yeah they played D d together and he had a crush on her but like he couldn't ever speak to her unless they were in character and she obviously fell in love with Og and they got married and that it turns out is surprise the center of their falling out was that Halliday was in love with Kira and she married Og and then Halliday couldn't speak to Og anymore and I hate men. <laughs> I hate them I hate men. Where was I? Hating men. That's no. where I was. I mean, that is so basically at, this whole book.
2: It's, yeah. So they're at Ogs, and they all have their own, he's like, I've got seven rooms where you can all just use this, they're perfectly kitted out with absolutely everything you need. Oh, also, we missed the whole bit, where he, uh, Wade sends a video to everyone on the oasis who was like, "Here what the fuck is going on? Everything's fucking corrupt. They're trying to kill us. This is what we're going to do. Everyone meet us here. We're going to go down. We're going to do some shit."
0: Because the other thing he did when he hacked into the intranet at IOI was he programmed, he put some program in that turned off their shield at noon on a particular day. So he yeah. told everyone in Oasis to meet them at noon to launch an at attack the castle,
1: cause at the, the castle. Force fields are
0: gonna go down, and we're gonna go in. And everyone's like, "How are the force fields gonna go down?
2: Because the force field is being held up. It's by an item, an in an in-game slash in-world item of where, as long as like this person is actively like engaging with this orb and sitting still with it, it will make this force field, and it goes. It's a, a complete orb." Around the castle. So it's not even like, you can dig underneath and get in, because everyone's tried everything. So as long as that person is sitting there and doing it, it's fine. So he programs a robot that literally they have all these little, like, gopher robots that all look like Johnny Five from Short Circuit, of (sighs) course, because that's the best design for a robot to get shit done. It's definitely not (laughs) awkward. (laughs) And... (laughs) Like God, it's again. It's twenty forty. You got better designs for robots, but no. Also,
1: it's twenty forty, and his ship is run by a replica Max Headroom.
2: (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) So he programs this robot to like requisition a bomb or something. So it gets the bomb and it just brings it into the room where the fucking Orb guy is and just fucking blows everyone up.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um. So the the force field goes down and. Everyone like starts attacking the castle and in one of the, um, the key, one of the, the quests to get one of the keys, uh, when you won, you could pick a tiny replica of a, of, of a pop cultural robot. Yes. And so it turns out that they can turn into actual like mecha. Yeah. of the robot in question so there's a there's a two second mecha fight <laughs> yes. where they all get in their giant robot suits and like very they, they fight for like two seconds and they're like oh quick we have to get inside immediately and they do. Well, they're all,
2: like, they all have their cool robots from different things. Like, there's, like, two robots from anime or something. Yeah, there's a
0: Gundam. Yeah. And
2: there's... And so they're, like, bigger than everyone else, because they're the only ones who have gotten these keys and gotten these robots. But then Sorrento has his robot that he busted out, and it is, like... It's like Mechagodzilla. Mechagodzilla. And it is, like, three times the size of even their
0: giant robots, because of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> hmm What's the... Shoto? Shoto. Shoto. He's so angry that Dato was murdered, obviously, that he's like, I have to take revenge. You need three people to open the gate they've discovered. Three people with crystal keys to open the last gate.
1: Because the riddle, because the riddle yep. is three is a magic number from Schoolhouse Rock.
0: Yep. Yes. Which they all sing and are like, oh,
2: we all know all the words to it because we're so smart.
0: <laughs> so he's fighting. He's like, I have to fight Sorrento like to get revenge. So he does... And then the three, the other three of them go in and they go to put their keys in and they put their keys in and they open the gate. And before they can step through it, somebody has set off this like bomb that kills everyone.
2: Yeah, it's one of the artifacts. There's these artifacts in game, like the capsule and like the, and that, oh, that's how the Sixers found them too, because they had an artifact that lets you see wherever someone is. And that's how they were like, able to, like, yeah, stop once them a and day. get the second key. Yeah. yeah. Once a day. Yeah. Um, but so the, so the Sixers bought this artifact on auction because, of course, they have more money than anybody else because they're a corporation that, like, wipes out literally one of the planets or something. And so everyone there dies. But, avatar dies. Yes,
0: all their avatars die, and when your avatar dies, like you're back to like square one. You die
2: in the game. You die for real. Sorry,
0: <laughs> <laughs> you don't die for real. You though. don't die. For you real. just you're back to like level one, and all of your items and everything and are you're gone. You're
2: stuck in jeans and a t-shirt instead of all your cool shit. You don't have your mecha Godzilla. <sighs> it's rough stuff.
0: But our buddy Wade has that coin, which turns out to be an extra life. Uh, so he is still alive, and he is able to get through the gate and go into the last, the last, the like, gate puzzle. Gate puzzle. And I, I think it's another, like, he has to play another video game, and then he has to do another movie walkthrough.
2: He has to play Tempest,
0: the video game. He has to play the video
2: game Tempest, and then he has to be King Arthur in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yes. Oh, fuck, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And, uh, Sorrento, like, regenerates, and he is also, like, he and a couple other Sixers have also gone through the gate now that it's open, but he manages to, like, get everything done to the fastest, and he wins the Easter egg. In, like, the most fucking anti-climatic, like, yeah, he wins. he
2: goes in, well, he goes in, he's in an office, and the office has, like, every computer that Halliday ever owned from, like, the very earliest computers that existed or whatever. And then he has to log on or something. And then, because the password is Kira's Dungeons and Dragons name. Yes. Of course it is. Yeah. Yeah. And then once he does that, oh, because then he has to play the game that had the original Easter egg in it yes. and go. Because, like, this is all the idea of an Easter egg is based on an actual video game. Because, what was it? Atari did not allow game designers to put, like, their actual information. There weren't credits. No one got credit for making a game in Atari. So, this one designer in this game made, like, this, like, one pixel, and if you found the pixel and brought it back to a certain place, you would go into a room that said his name on the wall, and I was like, that's pretty good. Yeah, you should do that. (laughs) But he has to do exactly that, and once he does that, he
0: gets the actual egg at that point. And he puts it in, like, the egg cup egg cup it's a chalice I don't it's a fucking egg I cup know. I don't care if it's a, yes. if it's a jewel study a a chalice kit. it is a cup that holds an egg it is an egg cup it's um, a hard boiled and...
1: easter egg and he puts it in the <laughs> egg cup and he cracks it on the and then he wins he makes an egg salad and that's it that's the end
0: um so Halliday's like avatar comes to him and like transfers his robes to wade and like he gets like he's on level infinity he gets all the god tier powers yes and he's also shown the button that shuts down <laughs> oasis the off yes. switch
2: he's just like this is the big red button that ends it all just yep. just so you know it's here use it wisely yeah. but like this all happens so quickly the end wraps up so it's like five fast. pages and it's ridiculous because like I've been on this stupid journey with you for three hundred and fifty pages. I have read so many lists, but you were like, We couldn't make any dramatic tension for the final yeah. for the yes. final bit. It's just Taliday is like, here's your suit, here's the button, goodbye.
1: Yes. And then he's like, I'm the god, I can resurrect all my friends who just died and he like resurrects yes. them. Does he does he do something to the other company? How does uh, the...
0: Sorrento's, eventually he's arrested. Yes. Right, well, he's okay. arrested by real world police because of the video of him threatening to murder um, all of... He's arrested for the actual murder of Tato and then the conspiracy to kill all the others. Yeah. Um, So Wade uh, logs out and asks where Artemis is.
2: Oh, we didn't in the beginning, because since they're all at Og's house, All the others are able to communicate with him. Like, once they die, they're, like, physically, either, like, physically in the room with him or on some kind of comm link or something. So they're able to talk to him and get through, get him through the puzzle until he gets to the... So they do cheat, and I think that's delightful. So they're like, oh, whenever he forgets a name in Monty Python, they feed it to him. And they're all having so much fun together. Yes. Um, But so he met, in real life, he met H. Artemis specifically said, like, I don't want to meet you just yet. Let's wait until this is all over. So while they're all going through it together, at one point he says, hey, when we get through this, if we win, I'm splitting the billions and billions of dollars with all of you.
1: And he hadn't met Artemis IRL yet, but he had seen her photo when he hacked into whatever. And so he saw that she looks exactly like her totally banging avatar, except she has a birthmark on her face.
0: Yeah, she's got a port wine birthmark on half of her face that she like covers with her bangs, but otherwise looks just like her avatar looks. Um,
2: and and th- an important thing to know about Artemis is that her avatar does not look like the one of the two models that girls always pick, which is either a model or a porn star. And it's she's like you know a little short and a little a little pudgy and a little plain looking, and he loves that about her.
1: Yeah, Rubenesque yeah. is used multiple times to describe yes. her,
0: which is a word that I have only previously heard my mother use. <laughs> <laughs> In describing me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Kate, you're very bangable. <laughs> I love your Avatar.
2: So he finishes, he gets everything, he comes back into the real world at Og's, and Og is like, oh, Artemis is waiting for you in the middle of the, the hedge maze, or whatever.
0: Yes, <laughs> just, and it's just one more gotta- puzzle. And it's the same hedge maze, like from the same game that was involved in like the last puzzle. So he solves it very quickly, and she's there being like, "Oh, I'm so ugly," and he's like, "Nah, <laughs> nah, brah. and they kiss, and that's basically the end of the book. That's yeah. it, done. <laughs> and I know, I know, we've we've gone on for a while now, but there are some things that I definitely want to hit on about the book before we move on. Sure. The first one is this sort of, like, implication that... And while I do, I I think that it's interesting that he was self-aware enough to have H be like, I'm a fat black woman, like, I'm presenting myself as a skinny white man because I know that that is more socially acceptable. I think that's an interesting thing for him to be self-aware enough to put into the book, but at the same time, it is kind of hard for me to believe that no one in Oasis makes avatars that aren't skinny and white and traditionally attractive. And while I I know that like a lot of people do like lie about what they look like and try to look like more attractive. Like I know enough people who purposely are like I want representation that looks like me. Like I want right. like all my dandy characters are fat. They don't have to be. It's a fantasy world. But I want them all to be fat queer women, and they all are fat queer women. Like,
1: yeah, I don't think, I will say, I'm not sure that it's that no one in Oasis is doing that. I think it's that no one Wade hangs out with is doing that. And I guess also none of the serious gunters are doing that. But I gotta assume there's some of them hanging out somewhere.
0: I don't yeah, know. Yeah, because there's a thing, too, where, like, when the, the he talks about all the things the High Five have now, that they're famous, and one of the things is that, like, Artemis designed skins for avatars but only for fat lady avatars. For oh, yeah. plus
2: size avatar line. Yeah, which
0: <laughs> opened a whole other thing to me, which like why why would it matter what size the avatar is? It's code. I don't know, a whole other thing, but whatever.
1: Yeah, it also was really weird don't to they me. They have that. sliders, god. Yeah, right.
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> So that that struck me as very strange. But maybe that's right. Maybe it's that that he only knows people who cuz
2: also like nobody he he doesn't know anyone else. Yeah, he like he interacts he interacts with H, Artemis, Nato Shoto and then Irock who I comes mean... into <laughs> who is the typical like gamer dude on Twitter who has opinions and is right about everything but actually doesn't know a lot and just his Let name me. is IROC but like that's it he doesn't interact we can go on IROC in yes. just a second okay. he doesn't interact with anyone else so we literally don't see anyone else yeah. there is no other women that he mentions I don't think other than Artemis Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't know there were other women in this world until we met H like that's it it was Artemis
0: yeah Iraq is a whole other thing <laughs> which I will describe this scene to you because I hate it so much and we're not doing it for a dramatic reading um, H has this chat room called The Basement that is invitation only, and it's only, like, serious gunters. And But one of the people who's invited in is this guy, Irock, who's not a serious gunter, who's a Johnny-come-lately, who just wants to look like he's cool. But, like, H likes making fun of him, so he has an invite. And he shows up, and after using a queer slur to refer to both H and Wade... He shows off this, like, Atari console that he has, but he, like, covers the title, and he's like, I bet you don't know what this is. A console game, rather, that he has. But he covers the title, and he's like, I bet you don't know what this is if you think you're so smart. And then the two of them go back and forth, rattling off, like, based only on the piece of the artwork they see, the name of every one of the games, like, who created them, what, like, there was a contest in real life for people who won the game, and what the prizes were for the contests, and why the game stopped being created, and, like, what years they came out. And they literally just say facts back and forth, and when they're done, people literally cheer. Yes. It is... And it's for, like... Two or three pages. Yeah. Like, it goes on for a while. (laughs) It is every one of those Twitter and Tumblr posts that you see that are clearly fake. That's like, I was in class and a jock made fun of anime, and then I said something insulting in Japanese, and the whole class applauded me, and then the hot girls who's sitting next to me asked me out in Japanese and gave me her number, where it's like, just like this deep, intrinsic fantasy that these people who operate in the world this way have... Like just out, this is Ernest Klein's id, and it makes me uncomfortable.
1: Yes, it's just a fantasy where the thing that is most valued and most appreciated by all of society is just knowing facts about the eighties. And <sighs> I will say, I did like that as as sort of clunky as the ending was. I did like that the moral of it was you should have at least two friends. <laughs> I sincerely do like that because for so much of it, it was just like, I, I'm by myself and I'm the best and I can do it by myself. And then it, it, because that to me, and this is what we were talking about at the top of the show is like, to, to me, I would say to us, like the, the best part of like being a geek and geek fandom is like making nerd ass friends and having these friends that you can have conversations With about the thing that you like and, you know, play the games that you like together. Which, I guess that is the one thing they do. They play the video games together, so at least they have that. But then they just say facts about the games to each other.
0: (laughs) This book is so many lists. Like, in addition to the excerpts that you've probably seen on social media of just, like, lists of 80s movies, every, like, chapter, there's at least one list of meaningless things that he owns or has or is looking for. There's a section I'm going to read later that's literally nonsense, garbage, made-up technology. It goes on for four pages of him listing all of the the fake technology, the in-world technology that he has. It means nothing to any of us in the real world. It is all made up, and it's just four pages of him bragging about it in list form.
1: The other, my last thing I think of that I want to say before I move on, uh, personally, is... I don't. What would you say Wade's character arc is?
2: That we discussed that he doesn't have one. I also, what's Wade's flaws? I mean, like, he cares yeah, like, too much.
1: He, he doesn't. About he's... Artemis.
2: he's smarter than everybody else, and that's it. That's what he's got going for him. He is. He can outthink anyone. No one would ever imagine that he would climb out the window to get out of his stack of trailers. So that's why they weren't able to blow him up. No one would ever think that he would get himself sold into indentured servitude so that he could use the company internet that shows, you know, a company-made sitcom every night to all the indentured servants and use that to hack into with his lead, lead hacker's warehouse password to get into the internet and get all the information. No one would ever, th- like, he's just the smartest one and then that's really all there is to it. He has no flaws
0: his literal only flaw is that he's in love with Artemis because it distracts him from winning. From, from winning from being the, the game. smartest yes <laughs> and it drives her away from him because she doesn't believe his love could be real even though it totally is even though they've like really only exchanged information about movie franchises back and forth.
2: And just to pause like for half a second and go, this is hardly related, but we didn't mention it. When they're at Ogg's party and he tells her that he loves her and she's like, we're not doing this. And he's like, is it
0: because I'm a virgin? (laughs) Literally.
2: (laughs) And I'm like, bud.
0: (laughs) Bud. We didn't even mention the sex bots.
2: (laughs) The sex bots are sex bots, but we don't need to get into that. It's fine. It's just like (laughs) Second Life, you guys. Everyone's just there to fuck things. (laughs)
0: Um, I guess the one his
2: character arc, as as we were talking about before the recording, is that he starts poor and he ends up rich, (laughs) and that's that's how he changes. That's what he's learned is that now he has money.
0: (laughs) The one thing that I, the one good thing I will say about this book is that it was insanely readable. Mm -hmm. It was not. Sometimes we read books like uh, the fucking horny fairies book took me like almost literally a month to read because I would read twenty pages and then put it down and then have to walk away and do something else because I was so bored. And this I read in maybe, like, four or five hours total. Yeah,
2: I read at the speed of a fourth grader per that Staples read speed test, where Mm -hmm. everyone else is like, I read at the speed of a college professor, and I'm like, oops. (laughs) I read incredibly slowly. I read half of this book, literally the second half of this book, uh, in the afternoon at work when I had nothing to do, and I just flew through it. Like, it's very... I don't even want to say, that like, it's compelling, necessarily. It's, like, I, I short, wanted to read more It's the James
1: Patterson it. style of, like, many short chapters. It's yeah, it just, it goes very
2: quickly. And, like, like, I'm trying to think, I was like, what am I going to do on Goodreads? I'm like, mm, it's like 2.5. Like, I didn't hate read this. There's things I've gone through where I was just like, every page is a slog. Because I was like,
0: fuck. I hate everyone in it, basically. But I didn't hate it. Yeah, it was tedious and frustrating and infuriating, but, like, I read it in two days. Yeah.
1: Well, I read it on in one day, because I put it up to the last minute. <laughs> oh, and- fine. Brag, why don't you? <laughs> re- this is not a brag. I hated it. I think <laughs> I, I liked it the least of all of you. And also, I fucking tore through those Horny Fairies books. So I guess the lesson here is, like, people are different.
2: <laughs> exactly. You can like whatever you like, and there's no right way
1: to like it. Okay. <laughs> Uh, When you said that, Dwardy was so mad he jumped off my lap and ran away.
2: (laughs) Dwardy, you're allowed to like jumping off of her lap. (laughs) But yeah, uh, we touched upon Second Life and like, this is fan fiction of what would it be like if A, Second Life became what the people who made Second Life wanted it to be, And B, what if everything I cared about was the currency this world functioned on? Yes. And I just can't believe someone wrote a book about, like, but what if Second Life was cool and not just people being assholes?
1: (sighs) Alright, should we move on to our dramatic readings? Sure. Yes. Alright. right. So our first one is when H and Wade are hanging out in the basement. Which, by the way, I don't think we ever said looks exactly like the family room from Family Ties, apparently. Oh, right, right, right. These kids fucking love Family Ties. Although, I will say I have recently discovered that all the teens at my library are obsessed with the 1990s sitcom Friends. So I guess this is maybe not as improbable as I would think. Anyway, they're hanging out in the Family Ties basement and uh, having this delightful conversation. And, uh, Becca will be Wade, and I will be H. After I beat H at three rounds of Tron Deadly Discs, he threw down
2: his Intellivision controller in disgust and grabbed a magazine off the floor. It was an old issue of Starlog. I recognized Rutger Hauer on the cover in a Lady Hawk promotional photo. Starlog, eh?
1: Yep. Downloaded every single issue from the Hatchery's archive. Still working my way through them. I was just reading this great piece on Ewoks, colon, the battle for Endor. Made
2: for TV, released in 1985, I
1: recited. Star Wars trivia
2: was one of my specialties. Total garbage, a real low point in the history of the wars. Says you, assface. It has some great moments. No, it doesn't. It's even worse than the first Ewok flick, Caravan of Courage. They should have called it Caravan of Suck. H rolled his eyes and went back to reading. He wasn't going to take the bait. I eyed the magazine's cover. Hey, can I have a look at that when you're done?
1: Why? So you can read the article on the Lady Hawk? Maybe. Man, you just love that crap burger, don't you? Blow me, H. How many times have you seen that sap fest? I know you've made me sit through it at least twice.
2: He was baiting me now. He knew Lady Hawk was one of my guilty pleasures and that I'd seen it over two dozen times. I was doing you a favor by making you watch it, noob. You'll thank me one day. Wait and see. Lady Hawk is canon. Canon was the term we used to classify any movie, book, game, song, or TV show of which Halliday was known to have been a fan.
1: Shirley, you must be joking. No,
2: I am not joking, and don't call me Shirley.
1: There is no way Halliday was a fan of Lady Hawk. I guarantee it. Where's your proof, dipshit? The man had taste. That's all the proof I need.
2: Then please explain to me why he owned Lady Hawk on both VHS and Laserdisc. A list of all of the films in Halliday's collection at the time of his death was included in the appendices of Anorak's Almanac. We both had the list memorized.
1: The guy was a billionaire. He owned millions of movies, most of which he probably never even watched. He had DVDs of Howard the Duck and Krull, too. That doesn't mean he liked them, asshat, and it sure as hell doesn't make them canon. It's not really up for debate, Homer, I said. Lady Hawk is an 80s classic. It's fucking lame is what it is. The swords look like they were made out of tinfoil. And that soundtrack is epically lame. Full of synthesizers and shit. By the motherfucking Alan Parsons Project. Lame-o-rama. Beyond lame. Highlander 2 Too lame.
2: Hey, now you're just being insulting. Lady Hawk's cast alone makes the film canon. Roy Batty, Ferris Bueller, and the dude who played Professor Falcon in War Games. John Wood reunited with Matthew Roderick. A real low point
1: in both of their careers.
2: You must be stoned. Lady Hawk was directed by Richard fucking Donner. The Goonies, Superman the movie, you're saying that guy sucks?
1: I don't care if Spielberg directed it. It's a chick flick disguised as a sword and sorcery picture. The only genre film with less balls is probably freaking legend. Anyone who actually enjoys Lady Hawk is a bona fide USDA choice pussy.
2: And we skipped over, but there's like a bunch of people in this chat room who are like getting into this argument and now they're like laughing and into it because of course people just love to watch people argument about geek shit. That's what Twitter <laughs> exists for. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I'm a pussy? You're the one with the Ewok fetish. I suppose you think your extensive knowledge of Ewok culture is gonna help you find the egg. Spoiler alert, it doesn't. Ewoks never come up. Unfortunately, cute little fuckers. No, they're terrifying. <laughs> <careful. laughs> I hated them as children. In a... <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 Like, every conversation in this book is like this, and it's just every conversation that I mute on Twitter. <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't care. And also, Lady Hawk is great. Matthew Broderick has like seven different accents in that movie. I don't think he means to, but like, what an actor. <laughs>
0: Also, anytime they ever talk about a song they cite the title of the song the album, the record label and the date that it, the year that it came out <laughs> like anytime they drop a song in a casual conversation it's always like the little uh, like left bottom hand corner of a music video or all like, the effect <laughs> I wish
1: this was just pop-up video right I love pop-up video.
2: Okay, let's talk to whoever made the movie and see if they do a pop-up video, like, secret (laughs) Easter egg of the
0: whole movie. (laughs) Where we just decide what the pop-ups are? Excellent. Yes. Get on that. Yes. Um, So I'm going to read one of the endless lists in this book of random shit that no one cares about that your eyes glaze over as you read. Um, This is after Wade moves into his own apartment after he becomes one of the High Five, and it's like a Gunter-specific apartment that's really a concrete box uh because all gunters need is an oasis rig to do their work here we go the room was dominated by my oasis immersion rig i'd invested every spare cent i had in it newer faster or more versatile components were always being released so i was constantly spending large chunks of my meager income on upgrades the crown jewel in my rig was, of course, my customized Oasis console, the computer that powered my world. I'd built it myself piece by piece inside a modded mirror black Odinware sphere chase, chasis, chasis. chassis. Chassis. Chassis? Chassis. Whatever.
2: <laughs> it
0: had a new. Um, over- actually? It's chassis. You're such a fake car girl. <laughs> It had a new overclocked processor that was so fast, its cycle time bordered on precognition. And the internal hard drive had enough storage space to hold three digitized copies of everything in existence. I spent the majority of my time in my Shapetic Technologies HC5000 fully adjustable haptic chair. It was suspended by two jointed robotic arms anchored to my apartment's walls and ceiling. These arms could rotate the chair on all four axes, so when I was strapped into it, the unit could flip, spin, or shake my body to create the sensation that I was falling, flying, or sitting behind the wheel of a nuclear-powered rocket sled hurtling at Mach 2 through the canyon on the fourth moon of Altar 6. The chair worked in conjunction with my Shapedick boot suit, a full-potty haptic feedback suit. It covered every inch of my body from the neck down and had discrete openings so I could relieve myself without removing the entire thing. The outside of the suit was covered with an elaborate exoskeleton, a network of artificial tendons and joints that could both sense and inhibit my movements. Built into the inside of the suit was a web-like network of miniature actuators that made contact with my skin every few centimeters. These could be activated in small or large groups for the purpose of tactile stimulation to make my skin feel like things to feel things that weren't really there. They could convincingly stim- simulate the sensation of a tap on my shoulder, uh, a kick to the shin or a gunshot in the chest. Built in safety software prevented my rig from actually causing any physical harm. So a simulated gunshot actually felt more like a weak punch. I had an identical backup suit hanging in the mosh wash cleaning unit in the corner of the room. These two haptic suits made up my entire wardrobe. My old street clothes were buried somewhere in the closet collecting dust. On my hands, I wore a pair of -of state-of-the-art Okagami Idle Hands Haptic Data Gloves. Special tactile feedback pads covered both palms, allowing the gloves to create the illusion that I was touching objects and surfaces that didn't actually exist. My visor was a brand new pair of Dianatro RLR seven eight hundred Rec Specs. Featuring- seven eight <laughs> hundred. No, well, I'm still sucking <laughs> oh a five hundred. Featuring its top <laughs> to emphasize how fucking meaningless this all is. Featuring a top-of-the-line virtual retinal display, the visor drew the Oasis directly into my retinas at the highest frame rate and, revolution perceptible, and resolution perceptible to the human eye. The real world looked washed out and blurry by comparison. The RLI, RLR 7800 was a not yet available to the plebeian masses prototype, but I had an endorsement deal with Dianatro Dian... Dian Dinatro sent so me free gear, shipped me through a series of remailing services, which I used to maintain my anonymity. This goes on for three more pages. Yeah. I'm gonna stop here, yeah. but it like literally continues with just this list of fake He's got computers. a smell tower, <laughs> so he can smell
2: things. But he's like, oh, you always turn that on because people just make things smell bad. And it's like, then why tell us
1: about the smell tower?
0: <laughs> it is just pages and pages of this throughout the book. I hate it. <laughs> Yeah,
1: me too. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, our last dramatic reading from this fucking book is, this is a chat log between Artemis and Wade. By the way, I don't know if we said Artemis, spells her name with a three in it, because fucking of Of course course she
2: does. Because it's leet.
1: And uh, Kate's gonna be Artemis, and I'll be Wade.
0: You there? Yes! Hey, I can't believe you finally responded to one of my chat requests. Only to ask you to cut it out. It's a bad idea for us to start chatting. Why? I thought we were friends. You seem like a great guy, but we're competitors, rival gunters, sworn enemies. You know the drill. We don't have to talk about anything related to the hunt. Everything is related to the hunt.
1: Come on, at least give it a shot. Let's start over. Hi, Artemis. How have you been?
0: Fine. Thanks for asking. You?
1: outstanding listen why are we using this ancient text only chat interface i can host a virtual chat room for us i prefer this
0: why as you may recall i tend to ramble in real time when i have to type out everything i want to say i come off as less of a flibberty gibbet
1: (laughs) i don't think you're a flibberty
0: gibbet you're enchanting did you just use the word enchanting
1: what i typed is right there in front of you isn't it
0: That's very sweet, but you're full of crap. I am totally and
1: completely serious.
0: So how's life at top of the scoreboard, hotshot? Sick of being famous yet? I don't feel famous. Are you kidding? The whole world is dying to find out who you really are. You're a rock star, man. You're just as
1: famous as I am. And if I'm such a rock star, how come the media always portrays me as some unwashed geek who never goes outside?
0: I take it you saw that SNL skit they did about us? So I know. Congrats on SNL to making it to twenty forty. Right,
1: <laughs> <laughs> what a cultural institution. <laughs> anyway, yes. Why does everyone assume I'm an antisocial nut job? You're not antisocial. No, maybe. Okay, yes, but I have excellent personal hygiene.
0: At least they got your gender correct. Everyone thinks I'm a man in real life. That's because most gunters
1: are male, and they can't accept the idea that a woman has beaten and or outsmarted them. I know. Neanderthals. So you're telling me, definitively, that you are a female? IRL? You should have already
0: figured that out on your own, Clouseau.
1: I did. I have. Have you? Yes. After analyzing the available data, I've concluded that you must be a female. Why must I? Because I don't want to find out that I've got a crush on some 300-pound dude named Chuck who lives in his mother's basement in suburban Detroit.
0: You've got a crush on me?
1: You should have already figured that out on your own, Clouseau.
0: What if I were a 300-pound gal named Charlene who lived in her mom's basement in suburban Detroit? Would you still have a crush on me then?
1: I don't know. Do you live in your mother's basement? No. Yeah, then I probably still
0: would. So I'm supposed to believe that you're one of those mythical guys who only cares about a woman's personality and not the package it comes in? Why is it that you assume I'm a man? Please, it's obvious. I get nothing but boy vibes coming from you. Boy
1: vibes? What, do I use masculine sentence structure or something?
0: Don't change the subject. You were saying you have a crush on me?
1: I have had a crush on you since before we even met. From reading your blog and watching your POV. I've been cyber-stalking you
0: for years. But you still don't really know anything about me, or my real personality. This is the Oasis. We exist as nothing but raw personality in here. I beg to differ. Everything about our online personas is filtered through our avatars, which allows us to control how we look and sound to others. The Oasis lets you be whoever you want to be. That's why everyone is addicted to it.
1: So, IRL, you're nothing like the person I met that night in the tomb?
0: That was just one side of me- the side I chose to show you.
1: well, I like that side, and if you showed me your other
0: sides, I'm sure I'd like those too. You say that now, but I know how these things work sooner or later later. you'll demand to see a picture of the real me.
1: I'm not the sort who makes demands besides toity I guess besides I'm definitely <laughs> besides, I'm definitely not going to show you a photo of me. Why are you butt ugly?
0: You're such a hypocrite. So, answer the question, Claire. Are you ugly? I must be. Why? The female of
1: the species has always found me repellent. I don't find you repellent. Of course not. That's because you're an obese man named Chuck who likes to chat up ugly young boys online. Ugh. That's another thing. Like, it's 2040 and, like, this is the understanding of gender that's still... I mean, I'm... I'm not necessarily saying that Wade is up to speed with everything but like, it's 2040, dude! <laughs> calm, calm calm, yourself. Yeah, but all the
2: media they consume is from the 80s, so all they're learning is 80s ideas.
1: Oh, that is actually a solid point, and I hate it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like, all the top 10 hits are all 80s songs covered by Cute Girls with Ukuleles, right? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's no. so depressing. Is no one making new shit now? No. I hate it. No. I'm... Ugh. Yeah, I guess that's the whole deal here.
0: It reminds me of, like, in Bioshock Infinite, where they play all the songs that they heard through the wormhole. Yeah. Except that.
1: By the way, that check is on for, like, four more pages after that <laughs> point. And it's just all like that. So, I don't want to talk about that anymore. Let's play Would You Rather. Ayy. Hey. All right. The first question is is not actually a binary "would you rather," and I just am going to ask if you were to leave all all of your podcasting fortunes to someone. And that, <laughs> which, sorry, it's not going to be that exciting for whoever solves that puzzle. But if you were going to do that,
2: if unless you go to Patreon. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh also if you would just petition steaks and cakes to pay us please yeah. um, <laughs> or anyway, just set us cakes if uh if you're gonna set up some kind of elaborate puzzle as a will uh what would you base it on so is this like a world where we're
2: making all the shit we care about the currency yeah or you're literally like, design me a puzzle <laughs> Because listen, I, I DM, and that is the thing I look up the most when I'm running D&D games, is like, someone tell me a puzzle, because I can't make one. Yeah, I, I mean, mean I'll, I guess I'll, I'll, tell I'll start you. with my
0: interpretation okay. of okay. the question, um, which is basically, like, I think I would set mine up so that it would go through my life, and each, like, level of it would be based on what I was obsessed with at a certain point of my life. So it would start with, like, Inspector Gadget, <laughs> and then like move up to Johnny Quest and uh like the WB cartoons from the late 90s and then into uh the X-Files and Buffy and the West Wing and Harry Potter and like there would be like you know quiz in order to to get the whatever you need to get to the next level there would probably be like a very honed in on my interests like Question or quiz of some point, you like
2: absolutely have to perform the musical episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer.
1: Sure, well, after and at, at the end of every level, you have to say, like, which two characters should
0: kiss, yeah. There, that's very that's and you get points depending on like which ones it is, you know. Like, if you're in the Harry Potter level and you say, like, <laughs> Luna and Ginny, like, you get second level points, but if you had said Remus and Ciri, she would have gotten like first level points, yes. Love it, but yes. Yeah, so then you would make it through to whatever in- thing I'm interested in before I die. And <laughs> if you successfully have memorized all of my OTPs over the course of my you know, life, to
2: reenact every murder case ever read about.
0: <laughs> yes, God, that that would be years. It would be years. You have
1: to make your own murder board with like string <laughs> and pins. Yes.
2: Yes. God, Give I can't me... believe no one ever made a virtual murder board to figure out the keys of this game.
1: <laughs> Holy shit, I'm
2: so
0: mad right now. That's what I'm mad about the Moses. <laughs> Give me your theories on the Keddy Cabin murders, and if they line <laughs> up with my own, you can proceed to the next level. <laughs> so yeah, it would be mine.
1: So what I was thinking of was it bugged me that these challenges were just you go in the movie and you just say the lines of the movie. Um, but what I was thinking was. I've spent a lot of time and I really enjoy going to like showings of Rocky Horror Show and The Room where it's like you yell the callbacks mm-hmm. and that is is fun to me and that again gets really at like what bothers me about this book is to me like what's fun is like you make up a new callback and it's funny and like people laugh at your joke and it's not just I'm impressed that you know the lines to this movie. So it would be that i think it would probably be a rocky horror show and it would be like the room and you would have to like go through and do all the callbacks and i i don't know there'd be like a, a turing test or something like if you made up new ones that made the computer laugh or maybe there's like just like a <laughs> panel of people like if you made up new ones and made people laugh at your callbacks uh then you can have my fortune and then the third level would be um, I think it would be Twilight the movie, which does not have an established callback system, but I just really, I don't want anyone who won't watch the Twilight movie to get my podcast fortune. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. And like maybe, oh, you, you watch the Twilight movie and then you just have to like, um, you have to respond positively at Vampire Baseball and you'd have to like really laugh. Talk when about I was- how hot Jasper is. It's not even how hot he is. It's, like, how you have to, like, make his face. You have to, like, appreciate the whole weird package of Jasper. It's complicated. And you have to react really positively when Edward Cullen uh, awkwardly blames the fluorescent lighting. On on the fact that his eyes change color. Oh, and then, finally, the last stage. Is this just a picture of Duarte? And you have to just, like... I don't know, list a bunch of positive adjectives. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can have my podcast fortune. <laughs> no, sorry. You have to, you have to compose a song about Duarte and sing it to Darte and then, he, and then you can have my podcast fortune. If, if he approves, if he approves. <laughs>
2: yes. If he jumps off your laps and runs away, yeah. it's just not, not then good. Then you can't, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I guess I'm trying to think of other things that I like cared about as a kid. All I cared about was like music from like age 13 to age 20. So I think probably you'd have to like sing all of Hanson's Middle of Nowhere. Yes. Mbop for Mbop. Perfectly including the hidden track. And then you'd have to like knit a sweater. <laughs>
1: <laughs> make, a macaroon. To, make a
2: macaron. Make a macaron. <laughs> doesn't have to come out right you just gotta make one Uh, and then like you have to write an essay about why Scanlan is the best one on Critical Role (laughs) and uh, identify a list of things and whether or not they are boys described by the McElroys (laughs) and then the final question is just are sharks smooth or rough (laughs)
1: Oh my god, Zekka, they're smooth as hell. Give me your money. They're smooth as hell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? Wade probably thinks they're rough. Probably. A fucking idiot. He,
2: he read in a book. He never touched a shark. He doesn't know.
1: <laughs> uh, Alright, this was an extremely good game. And I'm just gonna ask now, would you rather create... A extremely detailed, elaborate virtual replica of steaks and cakes, or eat at a real steaks and cakes.
0: Eat at a real steaks and cakes. Oh, I want to eat that steak and eat that cake. Yeah,
1: yeah. You can't eat anything in the virtual steaks and cakes. It's yeah, very much. you can
2: get I don't know, which is like upsetting because that seems like, but I don't think they describe like being able to eat anything. I guess you get your your smell your smell tower, your olfactory smell tower, but you can't like taste anything yet. Yeah. You can, like, go to a brothel and fuck a girl. Yeah. (laughs) And your haptic suit's like, let me get that dick.
1: (laughs) Okay, but that's not allowed at Steaks and Cakes as a family establishment.
2: It's a family establishment. It's where people go after church. Yes.
1: (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, thank you so much to our sponsor, Steaks and Cakes. Please pay us so we'll have money to leave behind in our elaborate games. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now it's time for reader's advisory where we will suggest things to read other than this. I got a bunch. I'm just going to say some of them. Just Um, make a list. (laughs) Yes. I'm not going to read this whole list. I'm going to post it as usual on worstbestsellers.com. Just some that I feel strongly about mr penumbras twenty four hour bookstore by Robert sloan ro- sorry Robin Sloan is like kind of this, but with a with bookstores and like book themed puzzles and actually puzzles and not just like knowing the year a movie came out or whatever um it's really it's a fun read actually fun a couple things that I really like, even though they are a little bit um you know, the, like, sad white boy journey in the way of Wade, except that they actually have successful character arcs and they actually go somewhere, and these characters, like, learn not to be such a dicks all the time. And that's the Magician's Trilogy by Lev Grossman, because Quentin's arc takes the full three books. And also the Scott Pilgrim series by Brian leo O'Malley, who is not a sad white boy himself, but Scott Pilgrim is. Uh, Both of those, I think, are in this sort of vein where Quentin from The Magicians is very into, like, fake Narnia books, and Scott Pilgrim's very into video games, and they're sort of, like, very focused on that. But then they get past it and get into other stuff, which Wade never does. Fucking Wade. And then The Carnival at Bray by Jesse Ann Foley is very different from this, but I love it. And what I... What's a big part of it is it is historical fiction written a few years ago, set in the 90s, and specifically because the main character is obsessed with the music of Nirvana and how like important that is to her to have that particular music at that particular time. And I think that's captured so well, and I think that is an important sentiment that's just totally fucked up in Ready Player One. So Carnival of Bray is great for that. And then I just want to shout out the comic series Ms. Marvel because that's an uh, by G Will Wilson and various artists because I think Kamala's character is like she's so nerdy and like she loves this sh- like nerd shit and she loves the Avengers and she loves writing fan fiction but it is this sort of like joyful fun fandom and not this tediousness and then I got some other stuff I want to I'll put online and then the last thing I want to say is John Mulaney's stand-up bit about how weird Back to the Future is is better than this entire
0: book Real quick, just a couple of things for me. Listen to The Adventure Zone, which is a D&D podcast. Even if you think you don't like D&D, You'll probably like it. I cry a lot whenever I listen to it. And then sometimes I just think about it and I cry. Um. It's emotional.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's a legit thing, Eva, even if you don't like D&D, because I've seen so many people being like, I started this and I don't know anything about D&D. And then get through the first two episodes, they're like, I don't think this is for me. And then by the end, they are also crying. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of crying involved. It's also
0: very funny. There's also dick jokes, I promise. Yeah,
2: it's a good mix of dick jokes and crying. Yes.
0: But also, uh, Cory Doctorow has a whole lot of books that are about video games that are all better than this, and mm-hmm. we'll have all of them. Er- That's why he's president. <laughs> yeah, That's <yes>. why. <laughs> he, he's president, and uh, Will Wheaton is vice president in Oasis. This is a real thing that happens in the book. <laughs> so we'll have a bunch of those up there. Scarlett Epstein Hates It Here is a YA book about a girl who is in fandom and lives in New Jersey. And it's kind of like, and she has fandom friends, and it's like how fandom is for other people who aren't in this book. And finally, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, best nerd book ever written. Everyone should read it. I've not read it in a year. I should reread it.
2: (laughs) I have a list, none of which are books, which is par for the course for me. Uh, You should absolutely fucking read the Wikipedia article on Second Life because that shit is buck wild it is a journey i went down a dive and i was like what is happening did you know that there was a run on a virtual bank in second life are you (laughs) kidding me there's a college on second life that has like real a real life counterpart that has been kicked off second life twice (laughs) it's bonkers you guys And relatedly, you should watch the Monster Factory episodes. And Monster Factory is done by the McElroys. um, The boy mayor of Second Life and Second Life Second Chances, in which they play Second Life and (laughs) try to get elected mayor. (laughs) (laughs) But there is a whole scene where it is like my favorite thing that's ever happened in Monster Factory, which is saying a lot, where they try to get into this chat room that is a physical space and you have to like pay to get in they pay to get in and then Justin, he's a pizza man and he has a pizza box and he sets the pizza box to like size like 1000% and it takes up the whole room and they get people who are in the room get super pissed and they kick them out and I'm like this is what Oasis would be like it would be giant pizza boxes and pissed off people people running around saying I think dogs should vote I think dogs should be able to vote (laughs) and a sexy alligator dancing underwater
1: I co-sign all of that, by the way. It's just, it's
2: very good, and it's just so bonkers that people still play Second Life. (laughs) One of the, like, weirdest, nerdiest, fantastic things I have discovered recently, I will not say this this podcast as a whole, but I have been enjoying it, is the DM's Deep Dive, uh, which is hosted by uh, Sly Flourish. He does it on Twitch. But there's episode 13. He talks to a person who works... um, in game design, and she talks about DD economics. And it is literally, it is a deep dive. That's what they do. They look at one as- aspect of DMing and just go fucking deep. And it is so nerdy to be like, yeah, here's how economics works in DD. Her name is Emily Dresner, yes. And it's so interesting and so fun and so fascinating. And it's maybe one of the nerdiest things that I have found fun in recent years, but it's like, yeah. That made me care more about D&D than, like, maybe anything in the past six months. was like, fucking talk to me about economics. And, like, Wade doesn't give a shit about economics. He's like, D&D came out this year, and it was made by Gary Gygax, and no joy, no fun. Also, it was so silly to read this book that is, like, trying to describe being in a video game, and very often is in a video game, and fucking just play a video game and i recognize that like consoles are super expensive and that's prohibitive but if you can do it it was one of the, maybe the best things I did once I like turned 30 and realized I had expendable income and I bought myself an Xbox 360, even though pff, it was already on the way out. And I started playing video games and I played Bioshock Infinite, which is beautiful and so fun. I played Bioshock. I'm like playing Skyrim for like the fourth time on my second console. Play Minecraft. Play Breath of the Wild, which is the first game that ever made me care about a Zelda game. And if you don't have the ability to play any of these because it's fucking expensive, go on YouTube and find someone you like. And watch them play it because there's thousands of people playing video games and you can just watch them do it and it's so fun. And if you're like, I don't know where to start, there is Grandma Shirley who is literally a grandma and she loves playing video games and she plays Skyrim. It's her favorite fucking thing. And it is so wholesome and so the opposite of everything in this book where like her fans are called her grandkids and they leave helpful comments and are like oh no this is why you were having trouble with this you should try this there's another series she did I forget what the game is but somebody was just in the game because it was multiplayer and they were in there with her and they were just going on an adventure together and he's like oh okay here's how you're having trouble let me help you with this and she's like oh this is the best and it's so fucking cute she's a grandma she just loves video games watch her play everything watch her play Skyrim it's so good.
1: Author and two, if you want to try console games and you uh, can't afford one, don't have a friend with one, maybe check your local library. Not every library does this, not every library can afford it or what have you, but like my library has a Xbox and a Wii U, I think that we lend out for like two weeks, so you might be able to do that. And we also have a bunch of games, like plenty of games that you can borrow, but also a couple consoles. Alright, uh candy pairing. or did anybody have any last readers advisories nope okay well again they'll all be on worstbestsellers.com check them out (laughs) candy pairing what what candy would you compare this book to
0: i would compare this book to airheads uh that classic four for a dollar 80s candy that hurts your teeth and leaves you feeling largely empty and unsatisfied i would do skittles and after
2: you read this book, you can keep eating those Skittles while you play and Sky on GameCube, which was this game that was completely developed as advertising for Skittles and released in like 2002, 2003. And then at the last minute, the Skittles branding was removed. And now it's just your typical fantasy game, except for how you use Skittles to power your magic. <laughs> And now that story was maybe kind of interesting, but imagine I just told you that for like 400 pages while incessantly messaging a girl who explicitly told me not to contact her and you've just experienced Ready Player One. And I just wanted to point out that while I was looking up something about this, I found out that there have been seven officially licensed M&M games, and that is buck wild. (laughs)
1: my candy pairing is just I will describe a sugar molecule to you
2: but for like 10 pages yes
1: just really deep like the bond between the carbon and like I don't actually know what's Mm, in sugar but just that (laughs) level of detail but then you don't actually get any candy excellent all right now it is time for the rock paper snicked where Kate will say who Dwayne the Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book and I'll say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book and Becca is going to choose which most enhances this
0: all right uh if Dwayne the rock johnson were in this book he would be a high school friend of halliday and og and kira and kira would confide in him about the big falling out between og and halliday and he'd approach each of them kind of distressed to see that such good friends are destroying their relationship over something so silly So he would give Halliday some much needed lessons about how women don't belong to anyone and Kira is her own person and uh, made a decision about who she wanted to be with and it wasn't him and he has to get over that and he would help Halliday learn to deconstruct his own toxic masculinity using a video game that Og would help him code and then Halliday would see the error of his ways and apologize to Og and Kira. And then release this toxic masculinity video game uh, as like a special hidden level somewhere in the Oasis without any letting anyone know its true purpose. So annoying gamer boys all over the world would be tricked into playing it and they'd come out as better people. And thus the world would be better and the, the things in this book would not ever exist.
1: All right. Well, if Wolverine were in this book, it it would be kind of like Days of Future Past, which maybe doesn't mean anything to Becca, but just for the listeners, kind of a Days of Future Past scenario, uh, the movie where Wolverine will travel back in time to. I saw that movie. I live with Kate. Okay. Well, I just I know often <laughs> I know often you are not as familiar with X Men, and that's fine, and I value that about you, and I'm not going to force you to memorize anything about X Men. So Wolverine travels back in time. <laughs> to to around the time when Halliday is like setting up his will and he's like bro do not do this just make a normal will and leave your shit to your friend Og and Halliday is like alright and so there is no puzzle game there's no cultural obsession with the 80s like everyone's just allowed to carry on and keep making new movies and keep playing this game that's just owned by like a normal ass businessman
2: I saw that movie in theaters <laughs> That's right, like, you God, did. I'm I'm
1: so sorry that I I uh, mischaracterized you in this fashion.
0: That's right, you were into unwashed Xavier. That's true, I was. That's very me.
2: That's correct. <sighs> um, I'm gonna say paper, but not for the reasons that probably people usually say paper. In just that, I don't want the Rock and Wolverine to taint themselves with this. Mm. Like they're just don't they don't need to they don't need to get into this. It's fine.
1: That's just
0: fair. Let it exist by itself. That is fair. And to be honest, then it would just be like one more pop cultural reference shoved into this book.
1: Mm-hmm. The X Men are already name dropped in this book, which is fine. And appropriate, even. All right, what do you guys think the moral of the story
0: is? The moral of the story is that I hate men. Yeah. <laughs> the, the moral of the story is
2: nostalgia is a hell of a drug.
1: Uh, Mine is just, I'm going to party like it's 1999. But why? Because that decade's more important to me. (laughs) 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 But that song is from the 80s, but he never references Prince. Why would he? Because Prince is from the 80s. No, I know. It was a sarcastic, why would he? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm too worked up about it. I understand. I understand. Ernest Cline should have included Prince Bat Dance in this book, and there's no reason why he wouldn't. (laughs) <laughs> all right. i can't believe
2: did they at the dance no because it was like this weird anti-gravity dance and that's all they cared about they should have had to fucking do the electric slide yes moonwalk yeah come on i wonder if that happens in the movie
1: <laughs> oh i'm not gonna
2: watch it <laughs> i feel like i would get drunk and hate watch it at some point i would do that
1: if it's on netflix yeah well yeah all right Now it's time for Duarte's Corner where my cat Duarte gives his opinions. Alright. Yeah, Duarte, look. uh, I know that you would love for me to start this game already now where people on the internet have to write songs for you but I'm not dead. (laughs) Uh, Oh no. Oh no. (laughs) now now it's a threat from Duarte to me and I mean if you did die Duarte would eat you so yeah
2: <sighs> rough
1: I, you know that's fine <laughs> I'm you know I would like a green burial anyway what's greener than just going straight back into you know the food cycle
2: <laughs> do you think a haptic glove could capture how soft Duarte is
1: Oh, it'd have to be the, what, like the model 700 for sure. (laughs) (sighs) All right. Well, Dordi, thanks. Thanks for reading a hundred (laughs) books. That's so many books for a small cat to read. (laughs) That is a lot of books. (laughs) All right. Do any humans have any closing thoughts?
0: I watched the trailer for the movie and I feel like the movie was about a different book than the book we read. Which kind of makes sense. So little action actually happens in this book, you'd have to make something up to turn it into a movie. That makes
1: sense. Also, it's wild that didn't Steven Spielberg do the movie?
0: Yes. yes. Like,
1: Spielberg is name dropped in this book, and now he made this movie, and now we're just in this whole, like, Ouroboros situation. <laughs> <and I'm> <laughs> <laughs> uncomfortable.
0: The darkest timeline? Yes, we are. Ugh. All right.
1: Well, a hundred episodes. A hundred episodes. Plus the bonus episodes that we didn't even number. So yep. thanks thanks to all you guys for listening for that many. And thanks to Becca for fixing that many episodes. <laughs> My, <laughs> gosh. <This is> <laughs> My gosh. My gosh. Alright. Well, if you wanna see what happens for episode 101, you should like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Uh we're just worst bestsellers on Facebook. And on Twitter we're worst bestseller with no s because um, the S is hidden in in a puzzle and we just could not say enough facts about the 80s to unlock the S and we just gave up and moved on. What we had to do was draw that S. Everyone learns how to draw in elementary school. And that's what would have unlocked
0: it. But, nope. Shit, we didn't think of that.
2: (laughs) Next time, we'll know.
0: Uh, You can subscribe to us on Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. And if you do subscribe to us, please take a moment to rate and review us. When you rate and review us, it moves us up a little bit on the charts and makes it easier for new people to find us. If you don't rate and review us, we're going to stick you in a puzzle where you have to recite word for word uh, several ever more more popular episodes. And uh, you don't want to get stuck in that.
1: (laughs) You're going to have to recite the the Gerald's Game movie.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You can also subscribe to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash worstbestsellers, where you can pledge a small monthly recurring donation that goes towards things like paying Becca to make us sound good and buying new equipment, and uh, in return you get perks like access to a special patrons-only merch store and uh, all sorts of other things.
1: By the way, one of our Patreon miles, milestone goals or whatever that we met is that we are going to watch the Gerald's Game movie, and I'm not stoked about it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you can also go to worstbestsellers.com to find a link to our merch store so that you can wear our podcast on your body.
1: Not on your digital avatar, on your real live body. Yes. We should definitely invest to make some Second Life Some Second games. Life.
0: <laughs> Worst Best t-shirts. Yes.
1: I think yes. Duarte should be allowed to vote.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I would maybe, I wouldn't wear that shirt, but I would get that sticker.
1: <laughs> uh, Alright, well, th- thanks again to everyone for listening. Becca, thanks for joining us for so many things. <laughs> also, specifically this.
0: <laughs> uh, you can follow me personally on Twitter at 14across. I'm on Twitter at Renata Snacks. I'm
1: on Twitter at
2: Jinthusiastic, but I'm locked, so I'm going to screen you. So don't be coming in here being like, um, actually it's a good book. Because, like, that's fine if you think that, but I just don't want to hear about it. Um, Actually, sharks are rough. Um, they're they're not smooth as <laughs>
0: hell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our next episode is the start of Flashback Summer.
2: Hey. And so if we're- you were excited to hear me, get ready for more of that. And if you weren't, Maybe just skid the summer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We're going to start with one of my favorite childhood books, The Ghost in the Third Row by Bruce Coville. So uh, get ready to hear me talk about ghosts a lot.
2: Just very different from every other episode. (laughs) as well.
1: (laughs) All right. Uh, Bye. Bye. Signing off. (laughs) Logging out of the Oasis.